Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast. We're doing the E3 catch-up-a-lot thing, I guess, because E3 happened last week, and we've probably got lots to talk about, really. Um, or maybe not. There was content that was definitely there at the show. There was lots of content. Um, but Matt, Matt, you're here. Hello, Matt. Hello. Yes, I'm here. I'm full of content. You're full of content? Excellent. We're going to get all that content out of you and onto this podcast, and it's going to be glorious uh we also got trent hello trent hello i too expel content yeah we don't want your content <laughs> <laughs> just kidding it's good to have you on as always trent okay so we're going to yes we're going to talk about e3 an awful lot this week because e3 happened and um we did the predictions podcast last week and we can talk about how completely right we were with all our predictions this week um except for the witcher 3 on the switch i feel very <laughs> stupid about that i spent what five minutes in the last podcast saying that it's not going to happen it's not going to happen and uh alan was like yeah it's going to happen and trent was like it's going to happen and it happened so See, I, I was i was on that. new information you're on old information there was like a like a voice actor or something which posted some information or video or some sort of thing related to that and then people picked that up and that turned into rumors yeah so you were on sort of old rumor and then there was like a new rumor after that so yeah we believed yeah i believed you Matt. i was on your side i don't know if i said it at the time yeah yeah <laughs> i'm very sad about this but on the plus side at least my prediction that it'll be absolutely crap is not yet disproven um because yeah i don't know they're, they're, they're squeezing it onto a 32 gigabyte cartridge or something with the two DLCs on the switch in its glorious 580p resolution. I just don't know how that's going to work. But anyway, um, we'll go to some music, some Hatsune Miku music. Unfortunately, there was no Hatsune Miku at the E3. I was looking forward to her announcement on Smash, but she wasn't some stupid banjo or something instead. Um, we'll come back and we'll talk about E3 games and stuff.
Welcome back from that lovely bit of music. I'm sure Alan really enjoyed editing that into the podcast. This is It's always good fun when Alan's not on the podcast. I can hit him with the worst music and then he has no choice. It's his punishment for not being here. Um, okay, so yes, E3 happened and I think we can all agree that Nintendo was the best of the show, the pick of the show. It was a pretty good direct that Nintendo threw. Oh, it was an average direct. It was an average direct. Yeah, I know. I mean, it was. <laughs> I was very disappointing that um, Banjo and Kazooie was announced as one of the DLC characters for Smash. This, this I, really, it, it's going to hang me up for for months and months. He's a terrible character, and I cannot stand that he's in that game. But anyway, see, I'm I'm not about the character. Like, I, I don't care that the character's announced. My problem is Nintendo was pandering to a certain segment of com- the community, which made them announce Metroid Four way too early. Like, there's a vocal community in the Nintendo community which just wants crap. And they just are really loud, and they're really annoying, and they're really obnoxious, and then they get their way, and we don't get Animal Crossing until next year. But for good reason, though. Health and life balance is very important. I mean, that's not because of Metroid. <laughs> <laughs> Metroid's coming out like way after that. It's they had to restart development from scratch. Yeah, Metroid had problems. They they announced it too early. That's true, but I don't think it, it is. Metroid's fault that Animal Crossing is. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just saying it's the segment of community which asks for Metroid. It's the same segment of community which is like, you know, asking for this Banjo Kazooie, and it's pandering to them in because uh, they're really loud, really obnoxious on the internet's complaining about things. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Nintendo didn't pander to its community to some degree, it probably wouldn't be around anymore. Um, so, they could yeah. be pandering to Miku fans, though, a bit more, I think. Well, they really should. I'm really upset that they... I, I'm honestly crushed that Miku is not in Smash now. This is this is not funny anymore. I've been Nintendo, telling Nintendo for God knows how long that she should be in there, and they're just not listening. And this hurts. It hurts my feelings, Matt. Maybe you need but, a catchy no. catchphrase. I don't know, a catchphrase. What do the kids call it these days? Hashtags. That's what they are. A catchy hashtag. Yeah, it's gimme gimme Miku. Uh, the hashtag is gimme Miku, and they just don't pay attention. I've seen Miku. I, I email them about that all the time. I'm probably on their block list now. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the, there were two characters announced. Some actually, the other one's actually pretty cool. Dragon Quest Hero. Um, he's a pretty cool dude. See, I was watching it live. And that the level of trolling in those the way they did those announcements was top notch. You know, this guy, which doesn't even have a name, he's just hero. Turns out the leak was right. The data in the game or whatever they found, we said hero was right. It was actually a character called Hero from Dragon Quest. And then like right near the end, it was like this. You know, I think they did the joke before on one of the older Smash Bros. trailers where they did the Duck Hunt dude and he goes to the shape of the character and then and it turns out it's the Duck Hunt guy and it's like, oh no, they should have just cut the trailer then. <laughs> yeah. I- I'm really not sure what you're on, Trent. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, was, I didn't watch it live, so... Um, yeah, I didn't watch it live, actually, either, so yeah. uh, I'll take your word for it, Trent. It yeah. was... all, all the reactions on the internet were like, oh, no, it's because, like, it's I mean, the, dude. The, 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 <laughs> the direct actually happened at 2 a.m. in Australian time, um, so I was not going to be awake for that, yeah. unfortunately. So I haven't watched... I haven't caught up with it. Obviously, I caught up with all the news. I've seen all the little trailers that were released through it, and, yeah, it, it was a pretty good um, stream of stuff. Animal Crossing was the big one, of course. Uh, it's been slightly delayed, which <laughs> for some reason apparently cost Nintendo a lot of money. Um, their stock price plummeted after the stock price plummets after every direct vote. It's not yeah. really a new yeah. sensation. Yeah, I don't know if the link is quite as clear as people, certain websites out there were making it out to be, <laughs> but um, there were people that were... The, the Nintendo's price did drop and people draw the conclusion that that was because Animal Crossing was delayed slightly, but whatever. It's the actual coming. comments from investors were they wanted Nintendo to have revealed um, some streaming technology, and they wanted the new Nintendo Switches at the E3, and there was some random game they wanted as well. Like, yeah, that yeah. seems to be the comments. Yeah, investors aren't the... the brightest bunch of people so we'll, we won't talk about them because who wants to talk about the business side of video games it's boring. yes let's talk about animal crossing we will get we will get back to the streaming thing though because that was an interesting trend through e3 we'll talk about that in a later 
podcast uh, a later section but yeah some of the other highlights i guess from that um direct were the saga no that was square enix wasn't it um yeah the manor the manor collection actually was announced and dropped it came out straight away and i've been playing it and it is amazing i love my manor manor is very precious to me um and that's a pretty good collection i don't know did you get it matt because i know you're pretty clean but i will at some point when i have money (laughs) it does cost money this contents um (laughs) contests cost money (laughs) it does um what else was announced uh nothing else was oh the the necrodancer yeah that dropped off to really stay yeah. Cadence of what's it called? Cadence, Cadence of, of Hyrule. Hyrule, that's the one. I haven't had a chance to look into that yet, but it looks great and it's been turning heads, I think, since it came. So I, that I was... started playing it, but I'm not too sure about it yet because one, I'm like one of those weird people who wish when people like take Zelda and turn it into a game. Like Hyrule Warriors, I really hated that game just because it was like, oh, this is my Zelda. Like it was, I was complaining, but like, you know, like I, I want more Zelda in my like third party spin offs. So I, I, I want to give it a chance because I haven't played the original actual game it's spun off on. So I want to give it a chance. But so far, I'm just like, this is really weird. That whole um, riven mechanic is just driving me up the wall. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say if you don't like that, then you're probably not gonna like the rest of the game. It's like no missed missed action. I'm like no. That's it, the, the core of the game, I would say. Yeah, it is a rhythm game, really. Um, that I think it's quite brilliant what they've done. Um, I'm certainly keen to see what they do with the Zelda tracks and, and music uh, with this licensed one. I think it's great that Nintendo is actually licensing out its most valuable franchise to an indie de- developer. Yeah. That's a really nice thing for Nintendo to do. <laughs> Commercially, it makes sense too, because it helps to broaden the base, I guess, of um, stuff that, that Nintendo's doing with its with its franchises. But speaking of that, Nintendo did also hint that there's another Zelda game on the way, uh, which takes place, well, didn't hint, they confirmed it, um, which takes place in the same world as Breath of the Wild, which is pretty cool for people who enjoyed Breath of the Wild. I don't know. I'm still stuck on the plateau from the original game. I never got past that tutorial. But anyway, um, what else? <laughs> One of these days you'll finish that game, Matt. <laughs> One of these days I'll come back and I'll finally work out how to get across that bloody river. Um, what else was happening? What was the cool stuff for you, Matt? What um, did you like? I'm trying to remember. I think we already, <laughs> you, you already mentioned the, the mana stuff, which is what I was, I was most excited about. So there was collection of mana, which is a localization of the collection that came out in Japan a couple of years ago, um, which includes the first three games. So there is Final Fantasy Legend, which was a Game Boy Game, Boy game originally, um, Secret of Mana, which everyone knows, and then um, the third game, which was called Seiken Densetsu 3, which is the, just the name of the series in Japan, um, which so it never really had an English name until now because um, it's never been released outside Japan before now, officially. Um, and they've called it Trials of Mana. Um, and that, is, I think, is particularly what's exciting about that, just because it's a it's a very good game. Um, and I think one of the high points of, of well, back when they were Squaresoft, um, at their best in the Super Nintendo days, and that was a game that really deserved to get a worldwide release, but never did. Um, and fortunately, some dedicated fans translated it, and so it was playable. I tell you what, it's got a pretty brutal opening. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, it, it, it's really brutal. I don't know if it's um, different depending on which character you choose, because I'm only playing through the one character at the moment. But yeah, I, picked, I think it's... I picked the mage girl, um, and... The opening scene is her. She's like a, a princess to a kingdom, and she does the princess thing and wanders into the throne room to say hello to mum. And mum's like, "Yeah, you're useless. We're going to sacrifice you." And she's like, "Well, yeah. okay, this is." <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, that's an interesting start." Um, uh, but yeah, it's good so far. <laughs> it's yeah. actually really good. I, I'm loving it. I, I think it's really good. good. It's a so, gorgeous game, and it's really nice characters and uh, environments like the, the whole setting is is stunning and i am a big mana fan um but never played this one so i'm loving yeah. the chance to get into it so that's will a, i love it if i liked um octopath 
different, very different it's game. a very different sort of game. Did you like Secret of Mana? I liked Breath of Fire. Breath of Fire? Yes. It's a very yeah. different it's a, <laughs> very different games again. <laughs> it's an action RPG, so like if you like Secret of Mana, if you like I have never played any of the mana tiles. If you like the Legend of Zelda. Yes, Zelda. So it's like Zelda. Only an RPG. Yeah. You don't want to make you don't want to say that it's like Zelda and then I'll be like I'll I, I'll have that frame set in my mind, I'll sit down, I'll start playing it, and five seconds into the game I'll throw my DS or whatever it is into the wall. Well I mean like, this collection's good for you anyway, Trent, because it has Secret of Mana on there as well and everybody should play Secret of Mana. Game. Yeah. Um But then the other thing they announced sort of at the same time was as well as this collection they are doing a remake of that same game um and i wanted to that that is an actual remake is it of the it same is a, a full remake yeah which has been that's nice that's apparently nice. in development for some time and and initially had been planned only for a japanese release but then there was enough interest and fan demand um that they decided to um localize it as well um and I want to be hopeful. It looks really good, like from the screenshots and trailers and stuff. But also, there was that Secret of Mana remake. I was going just... to say, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit. I was a little bit concerned um, by by the look of it because it did look like it was heading down that same path. And the Secret of Mana remake was a travesty. But yeah. to be fair, to be fair, there was another Mana remake which actually turned out quite well, which was the one, um, the Game Boy one. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was the, good. The remake of that is actually high, a pretty high quality game. Um, yeah. You can get on mobile and Vita and I think that's it, isn't it? I think uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, I mean, that turned out to be really good. The Secret of Mana one was terrible, but, you know, 50-50, I guess, which is pretty much about on par for Square Enix and remakes. 50-50 chance it'll actually be worth playing. Yeah. Um, so other, on other topics, I mean, the other thing that really impressed me, I guess, with the Switch and the Nintendo Direct was just how much, how many um, re-releases or ports are coming um, of some pretty good quality games, like uh, Alien Isolation is coming, which is... Oh, yeah. Which is really good. I'm really looking forward to that. I loved Alien Isolation. Being able to play it on the go is a pretty nice thing. Um, on the horror track, there's also a port coming of The Sinking City, which is the upcoming Lovecraftian horror game, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, now that I know it's coming on Switch, I'll probably give that the go. Uh, we talked about The Witcher 3 coming, which is a nice one. <laughs> Certainly a big game, that one. Um, and then, oh, the big one, the big news is that that absolutely terrible Bethesda um, <laughs> Elder Scrolls mobile game is coming to Switch. And I don't know why this is a big news thing, but it was a big news thing for some reason. And my Twitter feed has been full of Nintendo actually promoting that this game is coming to Switch. And I just, it's terrible. I don't know why very... they're doing it, but it's terrible. <laughs> it does. I think the, the, the one single tweet I've seen about it from someone else is, Saying something along the lines of, well, Skyrim's already on Switch, so why would you? <laughs> exactly. Like... <laughs> why would you play Elder Scrolls Blades? Yeah. yeah um, Blades. One thing you haven't mentioned, Matt, that I feel like you're excited about is No More Heroes 3. Oh, yes. Gee, how can I forget that? My good pal, Goichi Suda, he's actually doing another No More Heroes game. I think I'm a little bit disappointed because it's not Lollipop Chainsaw 2. <laughs> I was really gunning for that. I keep asking him every time I've met him, um, and I've met him like four times now. I keep asking him what he's doing with this lollipop chainsaw, and he keeps throwing no more heroes at me. And I don't, I don't necessarily understand why, but I'm take it. <laughs> I, I feel like maybe no more heroes is probably more commercial. Maybe just maybe just lollipop, lollipop chainsaw was actually a big hit. It actually sold really well. Hmm. I think I think it was up there with his with his biggest seller. Um, which is why Warner Brothers, which published the game, actually wanted to work with him again for the next one, which was uh, what's which um, Killer is Dead, and that sold absolutely dismally. So I don't think um, I don't think Ochi Suda is working with Warner Brothers again. But Lollipop Ch Chainsaw actually was a big hit for them. Um, but anyway, that's not coming unfortunately. But No More Heroes Three is, and it looks really cool. It looks very Goichi Suda, um, and I, I really enjoyed. I do enjoy that series. I enjoyed Travis Strikes again back travis strikes again on the switch which was released earlier in the year so 
yeah, give me no more heroes and giant fighting robots and Travis touchdown, and I'm pretty cool. Um, There's also that um, Dark Crystal game. Oh, yes, and how did I forget that? So that was a really interesting one, wasn't it? Because, I mean, we knew that Netflix was dipping its toe in the game development industry um, because it had the Stranger Things 3 game coming anyway. But this one looks like a much more mature project. Stranger Things 3 looks like a fairly simple little top-down RPG thing. It looks basically like a tying game, whereas this one looks like a a proper game. with a full tactics RPG, it looks very Final Fantasy Tactics meets Dark Crystal, which is just cool. I mean, I don't know how anybody could not be excited for that. I am. <laughs> I was just disappointed it wasn't a Legend of Zelda TV show reveal. I mean, the only thing that could have made it even better would be if David Bowie showed up in it. Um, <laughs> and there was like a crossover with Labyrinth, because that would be great. Like Labyrinth Tactics with David Bowie. Um that didn't happen, sadly. Yeah, you, you can't have you never know. Keanu Reeves and David Bowie at the same. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, Keanu. Keanu showing up. He didn't show up at the Nintendo Direct, but he did show up at E3 um, and did things. Did very Keanu things, <laughs> which people loved him for. But I like Keanu because he said that he's a big fan of ballroom dancing in an interview. Obviously, oh, he? yeah. He's also uh, a big fan of puppies, so he's a pretty cool guy, I think. Like, he seems one of the few genuine guys in Hollywood, so I give him the benefit of the doubt. If he likes Cyberpunk 27.7 or whatever it's called, then good on him. He probably doesn't like it. He's probably just getting paid a lot to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. On that note, <laughs> we'll go to some music. Let's Let's get some music from something that Nintendo announced... Let's get some let's get some Fire Emblem music. It won't be from Fire Emblem 3 houses because that's not out yet. But we'll get some Fire Emblem music for you to listen to because that's one thing we didn't chat about in this thing. But I mean that's coming very soon and it looks really cool when I come Okie we're back. Um, so, the other stage show conference thing that was kind of 
the highlight of E3 was the Screenix one. We do like Screenix. Um, and they had a pretty good show, I think, overall. I don't know about you guys. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I was at work. Was I? Or was it in the morning? I can't remember now. I mean, it was it was a little, it was in the morning. It was about eleven o'clock in the morning uh, here in Australia. Um, it was all very well. Most of it was actually quite retro themed. Actually, Screenix dipping into a lot of its titles of the past. I mean, the highlight for me was Final Fantasy VIII. They finally found the code for that, which is great. So they're doing a HD port of it. Um, Probably off some ROM site. I d- yeah, I don't think they found the code so much as yeah reversed engineered it off yeah. Of school. yeah well however that's the, splitting hairs the... <laughs> however they got it i really don't care i the, the fact is they're making the game again which is what's important here yeah. um and it's it's actually looks really good they, they've done there are comparisons out there of the original versus what the remake looks like the remaster and the hd effect is good the characters look good and yeah. i'm really keen on it it looks like they've redone the models for the characters rather than just kind of slapped a higher resolution texture over the top. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It definitely looks like their new character models are much more detailed than those originals could have ever been. So, looks like a PS2 game. It does. It looks nice. Uh, I'm just hoping, I guess, the one thing that I can't really see from what they've shown so far is whether those pre-rendered backgrounds um, look odd with the high-res characters over the top because that's kind of an issue I have with both Final Fantasy VII and IX on the Switch and the HD versions of those. The, they haven't done anything to the pre-rendered backgrounds, um, but they've put these kind of high-definition high characters over the top of them, and it just it looks odd to me. <laughs> so I guess I'm a little bit concerned about yeah. that with this one. Um, I, think, I think it's the same in this one. I think I saw a couple of screenshots that kind of well that's a downer that. <laughs> that's definitely yes. a downer but i do come to final fantasy 8 for the story anyway and obviously that's not going to change so yeah that's a really that was a really good announcement um the saga collection also getting a localization because in the last section of the podcast we talked about the mana collection getting one um they're also doing the saga collection which is i think three titles is it no so so there's no I didn't see anything about a collection, but they're doing um, Romancing Saga 3. I thought it was a collection. No. For some reason. Um, and so, well, Romancing Saga 2, they've already released, and that was like maybe two years ago, I think. Um, and that was also another game that, from the Super Nintendo era of Square, that never got released outside Japan. Um, then a couple of years ago, they just were like, hey, by the way, this game's out now on mobile and we've localized it. Surprise. Um, and so that, I think that was the, for me anyway, that was very exciting. A, because it's a good game, but also because it showed that Square was kind of, at least could see the value in finally localizing games that are 20 years old. Um, but then at E3, they announced uh, Romancing Saga 3 was getting the same sort of treatment, but I think it's coming to Switch as well. And that's very exciting, because again, that, that is a very, very good game um, that has developed its own sort of cult following thanks to fan translations and the like. Um, and they're also, so there's that, and there's also another game in the series, a newer game called Saga Scarlet Grace, which was, I think it was a PS Vita game originally that came out in Japan about three or four years ago and they're localizing that so that might have been where i got confused because i saw a bunch of saga and i just <laughs> assumed it was all together in the package so they're in yeah the- it was kind of they and it was a really weird announcement because they had like both games in one trailer and so for yeah, a while I, think- I was like wait some of these screenshots are like kind of 16-bit snares screenshots and some of them are 3d things and like, is this a remake or what's going on but then eventually they cleared it up well, that makes much more sense now, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's good. So Saga, I do enjoy the Saga series, and it is one that has not had much love in terms of Western translations. So that's a good thing. I saw in the post, I guess, in the post-series of interviews that Square Enix did that they're actually very, very keen on um, 
preserving their back catalogue. Mm. It seems to be a real theme for the company at the moment, uh, and they're looking for ways of doing that. At the moment, they're obviously re-releasing and or localising games that haven't been localised in the past, but they were looking at potentially doing cloud services and all that kind of stuff to, to really get all of their their back catalog together and preserve it, which I think is good. I think it's yeah. I think it's nice that at least one publisher out there is starting to realize <laughs> that this stuff does need to be preserved. Um, so yeah, that's that was a good that was definitely a trend through the Screenix show. Um, yeah. what else? I mean, what else did we see? We saw, we saw oh, we saw some weird shooter thing that for some reason Outriders gets to shoot stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the developer behind the Bullet Storm. For some reason, Screenix is working with them to produce a game, and that was okay. a real low point <laughs> for the whole event for me. I was like, "Oh God, why are you doing this, Square? Why are you doing this to yourselves?" They're also publishing um, Techland's zombie open world thing, um, Dying Light Two. Dying Light was all right. It was all right. So, I guess that's probably a commercial. That'll be a commercial hit for them. I think that was pretty good. I honestly thought that there already was a dying light too, and so shows how much I pay <laughs> attention to Techland's zombie open world games. Yeah, yeah, you've obviously got to be a fan of them in the first place, otherwise you can miss this stuff. But um, yeah, I think that's all right. Um, and then the big announcement, I guess, for Screenix was Avengers. That was we got the first look at the Avengers game, which they've been. Tomb Raider studio has been um, working on for however many years now. And yeah, it looks all right, I think. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, no I, yeah. I, I feel like, well, if you look at the comics and stuff, they do look like they're being taken out of the comics. But the problem is the fans have gone so used to what they see on the big screen where they're basically like, okay, this obviously works in a comic. It makes it look, you know, fun and quirky, but in any actual media which other people want to consume, it's way too nerdy or stupid or unrealistic. Whereas these games, they're just overly muscly, like people for with the ones with the suits. The suits look weird. Like Iron Man's suit looks like it's a Cyberman from like um what's that show? Doctor Who. Like it's just a whole mess. And the faces look like some sort of uncanny valley. It's horrible. And so it's getting so much more backlash than even N Nintendo's horrible issue with Pokemon um not having a national decks. Like it's all over the internet. I yeah I I I found found all of that quite confusing, like people complaining about the the characters not looking like the movie actors or whatever. And I was like, well, if you kind of compared the movie actors to the comic books, <laughs> they don't look the same. It's just the interpretation of the characters. I don't have yeah. an issue with the game, like visually. I think it looks fine. Um, I think, yeah, for me, it's more the issue of the whole rest of the game is. So it seems like they've gone to such great lengths to try and capture the same sort of visual style as the movie, just in terms of the the um, art direction and the the sort of photorealism kind of thing. Um, and then they've got characters that kind of sort of look like the movie actors, but not really. And so it's this weird sort of disjointed thing where it looks like it looks like someone's tried to recreate the visual style of the movie and done a bad job of it rather than just making a new game with its own sort of identity. And I think that's for me what makes it look really just weird and unappealing. Yeah, I can I can certainly see that. Um but I guess for me that was kind of the issue with the Spider-Man game as well. Um, like, I, I don't think that Insomniac came up with a particularly unique identity for the, the Spider-Man game either. Um, so I'm willing to give the Avengers a chance on that level. And I think as long as the... Um, because we all know it's going to be a, a fairly big... or it's going to be a big blockbuster-style action game. Um, I'm certainly checking my expectations in terms of it having yeah. any kind of intellectual depth or any any kind of um, any kind of 
strength, uh, narrative strength beyond you know the the explosions and the characters and some puns in there. Um, <laughs> but that's I, the whole point of an Avengers movie. It's got to be yeah, like big bangs. Exactly. I'm not. Uh, I'm certainly not expecting it to be any more than that. But I think it looks like it's going to deliver that, which I guess is is good. I mean, I really enjoy the Avengers movies. I I, I kind of watch them all. So on that basis, I assume I'm going to enjoy the game as well. In yeah. the same way that I kind of enjoyed Spider-Man. I mean, I didn't yeah. think it was the Citizen Kane of video games as certain other people <laughs> out there claimed simply because it was that big blockbuster and fun game. But I thought it was fun. And it definitely was a bit of a generic um, open world game. But the problem is, I guess, well, not really a problem, but I, Spider-Man sort of came out after so many other Marvel games were released and they weren't really that great. And then Spider-Man comes out. It's the first time it's, big blockbuster, triple A, and people are like, this is great, this is exciting, and the characters didn't really look that bad. You know, you might say they don't look good, but they didn't, like... I didn't say they don't look good. I said said they they, they didn't look like the movie, even though they looked in the general ballpark of the movie. Um, I think that's the... Yeah, the aesthetic, yeah. Well, Spider-Man wasn't really, I guess, overcome by that, because the new Spider-Man wasn't a thing yet, and so we hadn't really grown to like a certain picture of what Spider-Man should be yet. So it, I think that's probably why. It's like because Spider-Man wasn't in the MCU when Spider-Man was released as a game. I think you got the order around the other way then, Drew. Because well, it came out roughly the same time. I don't know. It was like Spider-Man, years ago. Spider-Man was definitely introduced into the MCU well before the game came out because there yeah. was the um, Civil War for like Civil five War seconds. So. The point was that the game, the game was definitely a deviation from the um, the, the cinema and the comic book, um, and I think the Avengers is the same. So that's fine. I, I'm not expecting to be disappointed by the Avengers game. I think it's going to deliver on what it promised, and that's 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 cool. I guess from Square Enix, the one that I'm much more concerned about, the one I don't think is going to deliver on its promises, is the Final Fantasy VII remake, and I think that's. Even though I wasn't a big fan of Final Fantasy VII, never have been, um, I still think they're going to screw it up completely, to be honest, based on that trailer. I don't think it looks good at all. I was I was pleasantly surprised by the trailer. Ooh, debate time. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was. I, I have also been very sceptical of the, just the whole whole thing, and particularly like the this move to make an action combat system. Um, and I was like, why? But I think the the battle system from, from that trailer, it seems like it's managed to find a good balance between trying to be an action game for some reason um, and also still having the sort of I'll tell you what, Matt. tactical element of an ATB system. I tell you what, I was <laughs> the ATB system. Don't get me started on that. It was it was so the, the guy up there on stage, the American guy, oh, was yeah, introducing was it, and he was just like so dude bro enthusiastic yeah. about this stuff. Anyway, he was going on about how, oh, this is such a cool ATB system. And it's like, this is not the ATB system. They've come up with a completely different system and they've called it ATB in order to make it look like it's you know part of Final Fantasy VII. This is an entirely different combat system. And if you're going to call something ATB, you need to, you need to, it needs to look like and behave like. ATB system. Um, I think so, it, it looks like it does. It's an ATB system, except you can move around and do weak attacks in between choosing your actual commands. I don't know. For me, it looks more like um, Final Fantasy 15 style combat, which is it's still it's still tactical, um, and it it kind of behaves a little bit like a turn-based game, but at the same time, it's it's not. And I just think that. ATB has a certain connotation about how it behaves because it is a kind of classical approach to turn-based combat. And I don't think Skrenix is served well by trying to redefine that system. Um, and I don't think they, I mean, with Final Fantasy XV, they weren't out there calling it an ATB system. So I don't know why they need to try and do that smoke and mirrors with this one. Just call it an action system and be done with it. Um, but for me, I guess the, Real concern I have with Final Fantasy VII Remake is 
that they seem to be pulling back on some of the themes of Final Fantasy VII for reasons I'm not quite sure about. Like there's, um, it, it's a little bit hard to tell, I guess, because the trailers and all that were focused entirely on the combat rather than storytelling for some reason. But there seems to be, there's a scene where in the original Final Fantasy VII, basically Cloud and Co. do some, indulge in some eco-terrorism um, because they're trying to save the world from these greedy corporations that are exploiting the planet to death, <clears throat> to literal death. And in the game, there seems to be an implication that that event isn't triggered by these guys. Therefore, they're not quite the eco-terrorists that they were in the original game. Now, if that's the case, then I'm going to be all kinds of disappointed with this game. Yeah. I don't think... I, well, I'm not sure I... I mean, that's how I read it. Are you talking about the um, when the the scorpion sets off the bomb? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they still were the ones who broke in and planted the bomb and were about to set the timer on it before the scorpion attacked them and then set the timer anyway. Um, yeah, but it's still a, it's still a step back, you know? And there, yeah. and there, are st there are, is still that same sort of. I mean, know, the snippet, there, snippets yes. of the aftermath where they're talking about, basically, oh shit, what have we actually done? And Barrett's like, well, sometimes you have to make sacrifices for. And which I mean was all present in the original as well. Um, there was that 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 same sort of, particularly with I think like Jesse was kind of didn't really realize the implications of setting that bomb until afterwards and then suddenly there is, is that conversation that you can have with her where she kind of wonders if they've been doing the right thing and barrett has his point which is like well yeah it's yeah sometimes you have to break some eggs yeah, but there's a difference between having it done by your own hands and then a giant scorpion setting like a timer. Like, yes, you put the bomb there, but like, come on, you didn't really do anything. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's you, just... you made the bomb and planted it, and what if you were transporting the bomb? What if you were like, you know, I've got this bomb, you know, it's just in my backpack, you know, I'm gonna take this to the next dungeon, and then it's like, mm -hmm. oh no, a scorpion out of the way. I don't know. Just... It's just, it's just the framing of it, I guess. It's just. I don't know. Maybe it is just this, uh, you know, the specific way that they they showed what they've showed so far. But and this is why I guess it would have been nice to see more than just uh, a focus on the combat side of things. But yeah, Final Fantasy VII's strength as a game was always that narrative. And if they've slightly reframed things, it might not work as well. I guess this is my concern. <laughs> Where I said, like, like I said, I don't think the event. I think the Avengers is just going to deliver what it was was expected. I don't know if Final Fantasy VII remake is, and that's. I, I don't think E3 really resolved that for me. So, I've been skeptical of the game. I'm still very skeptical of it. I think Final Fantasy VII remake is always kind of kind of. It's such a widely beloved game, the original that. The remake is never going to quite be everything that everyone who loves the original wants it to be. And well, that's so, the thing. I, I mean, in that sense, it's kind of like why do the remake at all? It seems doomed from the start. Um, but then I would have said the same thing about Resident Evil Two, and everyone seemed to love love the remake of that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm open to the idea that this remake will actually make me like Final Fantasy VII because I was not a fan of Final Fantasy VII. Um, I haven't been historically. <laughs> I've never really enjoyed that one within the context of the other Final Fantasy games. But yeah, it's still it's still a game where there's certain things I don't want to see them mess with, and it seems like they might be not guaranteed they will be, but they might be. I think uh, one, one thing uh, we can all agree on though is that the audience and that was really annoying. <laughs> and I wish, oh, like, I just, audience. I don't know why they need to have audience sounds in the live streams of these things. Like, they're just so loud and obnoxious that you can't even hear what's being said in the trailer. Yeah, especially when it's all paid for nonsense. Like, it's overperformed. 
don't even get me started on the the crowds because that was such a it, it just and, oh, yeah. it annoys me so much the way that the, I mean Bethesda was much worse than Square Enix, but I did, yeah, I didn't watch the Bethesda one, so I didn't. And the, the loudest cheers came when um, whoever it was said that there's two Blu-ray discs worth of content. Yeah, I know. They they cheer over the dumbest things. Like in, in Bethesda, I'm kidding you. I, I'm not even joking about this. In Bethesda, they were talking about stuff they're adding to Fallout 76, right? The game that they're trying to save from oh, yeah. an absolute pile of crap. And... They went one of the features, one of the big features of something they were adding to Fallout 76 is and dialogue trees. I kid you not, they're, they're up there and they said, Oh, this this uh content expansion or whatever it was has dialogue trees, and then the entire audience just went ballistic over this. You have to go and check it out because it's just surreal, and it's like dialogue trees really, you're getting excited for having options in dialogue. And yeah, it, the it's conference just, in general had some very dude bro, uh, it's very so weird minds. <laughs> it, it's just so false, and it just gives it, the 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 idea that you have to manufacture enthusiasm for these games <laughs> is not a good look for the. In we lost Matt. We are all broken. I don't know if you're still talking, Matt, but if you are, we can't hear you. Can you hear me anymore? Okay. Oh, there, uh, now you come back. Yeah, you right. <laughs> Welcome back. For a second. Well, that was an interesting... This is the, the great thing about doing recordings live. Um, anyway, we're going to go to some music. And we're going to go to some music from... Pick a song, Matt. Um... Shall we pick something from Final Fantasy VII? Okay. Shall we pick Genova because it's the only good track on the Final Fantasy VII soundtrack? Yeah, it's better than one winged, winged angel anyway. <laughs> Useless song. Don't worry, they'll never actually... They'll never get to that. The re remake will never actually catch up to the part of the game where that song plays, so we'll never have to listen to it. I know, they don't even know how many chapters it's going to have yet. <laughs> how do you write a story and not know how many chapters it's going to have?
back, everybody. So, other than Square Enix and Nintendo, there wasn't that much that happened in E3 that was really worth talking about. Um, <laughs> so, for the third section of the podcast, we're just going to talk about generally the scraps of what was left. Um, actually, no, that's a little bit disingenuous. Devolver Digital had a pretty cool show. And, and got, they had the pre-pre-pre-show again this year. Yeah, they had a pretty good show, and they got some pretty cool little games coming along. Um, they're a crafty little developer, publisher, that one. So, yeah, any all their stuff was was interesting and worth checking out, I guess. Um, who else had pretty good shows? Limited Run, running, like, a billion games again. Yeah, Limited Run. That was pretty cool seeing them at the show, actually, because some people do still like their games physicals. Um and it's good that they're doing so many different releases for those audiences, for that audience. Um, I, I guess we did kind of preempt it earlier in the podcast, but one of the things that was a, a trend, I guess, for the whole show was this emergence of streaming services. Oh, yeah. Yeah, streaming services. It's the new content. Um, so, yeah, in addition <laughs> to Google doing their thing, were they actually at the show? I Oh, they did. They had a little thing during yeah. the PC uh, event, I think. Um, so Google have their Stadia coming along, which is not not particularly interesting to Australians and New Zealanders because it's not launching here. So big deal. Um, but Bethesda announced that they've got a streaming service coming. I uh, can't remember what it's called because there's no way in hell I'll be buying into that. Uh, <laughs> Ubisoft you can, you can stream, stream Skyrim. <laughs> Yes, stream Skyrim other than, rather than put a disc in the console and just play it anyway. Um, the, Ubisoft has one coming as well. Uplay Plus, because so many people love Uplay. That oh, that's more of a Game Pass thing. Yeah. Oh, that's a Game Pass uh, 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 yeah. Yeah. service? No, it's Game Pass. Okay. Just a okay. subscription type thing, which okay. is also, I mean, I'm really just already tired of all the different game subscription services before any of them are even out like there's already too many tv subscription services now and like you can't subscribe to all of them and nobody's going to subscribe to all of them and it just it it's it's well i guess it's it's like the the whole games as a service thing where everyone wants to be the one subscription service that every person is subscribed to and it just, but nobody can be that one. And it just means that everything gets fragmented and becomes a pain to manage. Um, yeah. I mean, just if you, if you just went through, I guess your entertainment options now and the way that people consume content, um, let's imagine that you're a, a fairly standard person and you've got a Spotify or Apple music, you've got a Netflix, you've got, maybe uh, um, another TV streaming service because, you know, Netflix doesn't have it all. Star. Um, Star. Star in Australia, but Disney's got one coming too. So Disney you know, Plus, yeah. Yeah. So that Amazon one is. There's an Amazon one. And then, you you know, if you're into your Japanese stuff, you've got Crunchyroll uh, and maybe also Anime Lab. So that's another two. That's like six subscription services, each costing, what, 10 to $20 per month. And then America, you've got Hulu. Now, in then you um, then you add the, what's coming with the games ones. You'll have a subscription to Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo for the online stuff. Then you'll also have to buy the EA one, and then the Ubisoft one, and then you know if you buy into Stadia because you're interested in that, that's another subscription. Um, so you're right, Matt. You're looking at what ten? <laughs> you could easily effortless, effortlessly subscribe to ten services just to cover the stuff that you're actually interested in, and that's ridiculous because after you spend all that money each month, what money's left to buy games? See what and Microsoft at least got right was um, they've merged the gold and the Game Pass, so now there's Game Pass Ultimate. It's literally the same price as buying just one of them. Like, like it's slightly like slightly a discount. So it's like fifteen, sixteen dollars a month depending on what region you're in, and you get your Game Pass on all, your PC or your Xbox, and you get your gold. It's like a great idea. Like everyone should not, do that. It's not good for the industry. Um, no. It's really not good for the industry, and it's not just—it's it, not just not good because streaming services devalue games and all that. That's a conversation we've had in the past. The real problem here is now people subscribe to so much stuff; they've got no money left to buy games at all. 
uh, individual games. So every game has to be built around this model uh, of being on a subscription service. And the things that subscription service require in order to make it worth the while for the developer as stuff that's not good for the creative side of the games. Like games need to be as long as possible. They basically need to be endless um, to rack up the number of hours that people use them because that's how people get paid uh, when they've got their games on sub subscription services. So all the stuff that kind of happened to mobile games because it's impossible to release a premium game on Apple now because the- Nobody will buy it. Yeah, the, the free-to-play model has become so dominant there. All that That is coming to video games as well, to all video games. And I don't know, some people maybe are cool with playing stuff like The Division and um, Overwatch and all that stuff endlessly and Fortnite and that's all they, they, they're interested in. But for those of us who are interested in more story-driven stuff, in more creative stuff, in more niche stuff, that's that's under a real threat under these kind of subscription services that are becoming so dominant and that was a real downside to e3 for me i was not amused by any of this stuff at all yeah and screw it is talking about doing one as well yeah uh, that... Which, and if, if, if there was one that i was going to subscribe to it would probably be that one and also because i mainly talked about it in the context of their classic games and Making all their old stuff available. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was done in the, the context of the maintaining the, the old library of games. And I'm certainly all for that, I guess. But again, it's it's still taking money out of what I could be spending on new games. See, I like these these types of services for like, especially Game Pass has been really good because when when like I want to play fr uh, games with my friend who's like interested in like completely different games to what I'm interested in, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to pay like sixty bucks for like a game I'm going to play like five hours of or like three hours of and never again. Like, so I just get it on Game Pass and just download it and be like, yes, I've got Halo, we can play it multiplayer, or I've got you know the latest division let's play it multiplayer and then suddenly we've got both got the games which we need and we can both play the game and then you know in a year's time when we're both not busy again we can play the games again it's great like that yeah i think it's, i don't think anyone's saying that it's not it's definitely good value and they all will be just for the, for the amount of stuff that you get with your subscription but it's more just the market is already getting flooded with options that I guess going to make it harder for people to actually choose what to get and find what they need. And we'll start seeing, as we're already seeing with the TV stuff, there'll be more and more things where it's like, well, the only way you can play this game is if you subscribe to this particular service and that you would never otherwise subscribe to. Um, it's just going to be Game of Thrones all over again. Yeah, that, that's, I guess, the, the issue. I mean, for example, I mean, with TV, if you're a fan of, well, previously, I mean, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, let's say, and you're also a fan of James Bond, um, you need to subscribe to two separate services now because in Australia, Stranger Things is on Netflix and James Bond is on Stan. So that's a, the way that they're also designed makes it very hard to unsubscribe from them. Um, they're, they're designed to make you not want to. Um, they're, they're, they're designed to take the money out if you can almost without really paying attention to it once you're signed up. So it's kind of like gambling because you're like, well, you know, it's only $10 a month, but then you realize you have like 50 other services, which is only $10 a month. Well, that's yeah. exactly it. they all accumulate and then all of a sudden you're paying an awful lot of money for this stuff. And then, like I said, you don't have the money to, to buy things outright uh, and, and support those developers or creators that aren't able to put their stuff on this these services or don't get any value from putting their stuff on this. I mean, if you look at what the music streaming stuff has done, it's made it a lot harder for independents. It's made it a lot harder for independent acts. They rely more and more now on doing live stuff because the likes of Spotify mean that they don't make any money from their music anymore, like from selling music. And 
and they don't make any money from the royalties from Spotify, even if they do go on Spotify. Yeah, exactly. If they put their stuff on... <laughs> the, the way that Spotify works, the only way you actually make any money from putting your music on Spotify is if millions of people are listening to you, which is fine if you're a major actor with a huge amount of marketing budget behind you. But if you're doing something that's niche, if you've got a small audience, if you're deliberately aiming to that small audience, then you don't get that. Um, now, I'm not saying that video games will be the same. I think one of the interesting things is that Netflix seems to be kind of the other way where Netflix is actively investing in niche stuff because their goal is to get the biggest audience as possible onto their platform. And the way that they seem to have identified doing that is to have a huge range of content there. I <laughs> used the content word unironically for a change. Um, but they do, have a huge work, <laughs> they do have a huge range of different stuff on there. And that's one of the interesting things. And that's one of the good things about uh, Netflix. Whether video games follow that model, I don't know. But if you look at what, I mean, Microsoft's probably the, the leader in trying to Netflixize the video game industry. Microsoft is certainly not investing in a diversity of experiences yet. They're buying a lot of developers which might imply that they're going to um, have that kind of range. But then you look at what Microsoft via, or what Ninja Theory, now part of Microsoft, <laughs> announced at E3, and it looks like Microsoft is telling Ninja Theory to do more Microsoft games. So no, there's going to be more games from Ninja Theory outside of the Microsoft games, but yeah, it's probably going to be ruined. It's, <laughs> it's just, I mean, what's Double Fine going to make under Microsoft? The same things that Double Fine made before or what Microsoft wants Double Fine to make. So there's... There, it could go either way at the moment. We're still very early at the stage of Netflixizing video games, but it's definitely something we should, I guess, be aware of and be wary of. And that was E3. That plus the cheering crowds. That was cheering crowds. <laughs> E3. Jeez, cheering crowds. Horrible people. Did you realize you have to pay like a thousand bucks to get a ticket into E3? Not that much. I thought, it was no. I thought the public tickets were like 200 bucks. Oh, oh, sorry. I meant to get into the good stuff. <laughs> like the oh, VIP tickets where you get to. Oh, the, yeah. You probably yeah. have to pay extra tickets to go to the. Yeah. The ones where you get to go and like be a hollering idiot in the, <laughs> in the conferences. Uh, I think those tickets are like a thousand bucks. And Yeah. But if you be a hollering idiot, then you get a free copy of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, but you have to pay a thousand bucks to <laughs> be a hollering <laughs> idiot and get a free copy of the game. On that note, we're going to go to some music and then give it a wrap. Um, music or just hollering idiots for three minutes? <laughs> hollering idiots <laughs> for three minutes. Was we'll play the uh, Zelda trailer music. No, I'm going to I'm going to go for something completely different here because. On a note, because we're back to regular scheduled programming next week and talking about games rather than shows, um, I'm playing Super Dimension Neptunia at the moment. That's the game I'm playing for a review. Um, so I'm going to put some music from Hyper Dimension Neptunia on here. Oh. 